this morning, uh, Pastor Joey is not feeling well, so Pastor Stu has graciously stepped up to bring us the word. You Come on up, Stu. Um, so I want to pray another prayer here for, uh, for Pastor Joey and uh, also for Stu as he brings us the message. So Lord, thank you again for this day. Lord, we give you honor and we give you all the glory because your name truly is great. Amen, amen. Lord, we pray we want to lift up Pastor Joey and Macy to you, Lord. Just heal them, keep them safe as Macy nurses Joey back to health. <laughs> Lord, we pray uh, that they will feel your, your strength and your light and your warmth. And Lord, we thank you now for Stu as he brings us the message. Lord, again, help him to, uh, to say the words that you want him to say. Give us the ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Happy New Year. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Happy New Year. It was it my fault? Happy New Year. <laughs> That's better. Uh, I have to admit, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. We're singing through that song, Greater You, Lord, and I started puking in my spirit. Anybody been through that? It's like, God, get this junk out of me. Get the 20, get, I don't care about 21. Get, get the past out of me. Get, get the past self-serving, the self-edifying. Um, get all that stuff out of me, Lord, so that I can serve you better. Make me a better person this year, Lord. Refresh me and refresh my spirit. Not because it's January 2nd, 2022, but because I need it. And I'm already your son. And you already expect it of me. Amen? Amen. Anybody else experience that besides me? Was I the only one going through that? I felt the Holy Spirit being very powerful this morning. Not that I don't normally feel him do, being very powerful. But I felt him being very, very powerful in here this morning. Anybody else sense that besides me? Okay. I heard a lot of hallelujahs and praises, and even from some of you very, very quiet people, I, I, saw some, I saw some tears, I saw some nods, I saw some people that were edifying God in your own personal way, in your own spirit, and uh, that warmed my heart. And the second thing that was flooding through me was how, how God must view us. You know, when we get through those periods of life where we just, we feel like we're unworthy or we've done enough stuff that we feel marred by sin, um, he must hate us. But as I, as I walk through the congregation, I see all of you with children and grandchildren. Sorry. And I watch those reactions when you see each other. And Bob brings up Robbie. How many of you love your children? Raise your hands. How many of you don't like them today? Raise your hands. It's okay. Rod, you can raise your hand. <laughs> Rod's children sat behind him back there in the end there. I was just teasing them. But um, it, I, as I walked through, you know, don't, I didn't have children, but we were blessed with so many young people. I walked through, and little Emma reaches up to me like I'm someone special in her life. I walked by here when I went to get this. And I almost cried. She just does this all the time. And in my heart, I was like, God, do I do that with you enough? I want everybody to stand for a minute. This is going to be a challenge. You're standing before your Father in heaven and your Lord Jesus, your Savior. And I dare you to put your hands up like Emma and say, Abba, Father. I dare you. I tell you, Abba, Father, just say it. Abba, Father. I love you. I know you loved me first. I know you love me most. Dear God, I turn my life over to you today and always. In Jesus' name, amen. That feel good? That feel good for anybody but me? I don't know why that struck me. I had her, and then I come back, and my family walks in, and they all greet me with love. So I'll probably throw this away and just stand here and stare at you guys. <laughs> or have Mark come up here and save me. That's what Mark does. You guys know that, don't you? Mark, save me Miller. <laughs> Amen. Give me a second. Sorry. 
I hate giving this to Bob. Bob Ravenstein calls me the crying elder. <laughs> and he's the, he's, the, he's the laughable one. You hear him in the lobby as soon as you come in, it's like, ho, 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 ho. It's like Santa Claus. And I love that about him. Oof. Where are we going to go with that? Holy cow, Stu. Bob introduced us into 2022. Very, I love your point about, look at this. Good things happen every single day. If we would just take the time and look for God in that, we'll see it. All we got to do is look for him and you'll see his goodness in every single day and every single hour and every single minute. We just got to be looking for that. We have to be aware of that in our spirit, in our heart, and in our eyes, even our human eyes. We have to be aware and be watching for where God is. When uh, Bob dismissed the worship team, I'm like, no, we have like 45 more minutes in this. <laughs> I thought, Stu, just be quiet. He's, he's being led by the Spirit, what needs to be done. But uh, in my heart, I just wanted to keep on worshiping. But um, what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to go, go through his word today. And I'm hoping that uh, one of the two things that often happen when I'm teaching something doesn't happen out here. One of those two things is you, people falling asleep or scratching their head or giving that Kathy Troyer look like, what? <laughs> Anybody ever seen that Kathy Troyer look? She starts tilting her head. I'm like, uh-oh, I missed something. So I'm going to be watching for her. Where is Kathy? Just so I have my, there she is. I need to look over there once in a while and go, mm-mm, okay. <laughs> Everybody who's taught something knows what I'm talking about, amen? All right. So, yeah, Pastor Joey tapped on his third-string quarterback and said, would you, would you preach today? I was like, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. So I pray that the Lord speaks through me. Um, those of you who are new, those of you who have just stepped in, or if you haven't been to church for a while, we've been going through a part of the Bible, very, very important part of the Bible, called Sermon on the Mount. The reason it's important, if you, if you read the New Testament and you start out in Matthew and you start seeing the life of Christ— you're going to see that Jesus was, it wasn't quick. He was, he was uh, dispatched into his ministry by God right around 30 years old, they estimate. And when that happened, first there was, like, there was a, an advocating or a, or a process where God, God let him be baptized by a man, which you know, be, would be well under him. And John the Baptist even said that. But he said, this, this must be like this. So he was baptized by man. And then he was sent out to begin his ministry. He picked his 12 disciples. He started teaching, just teaching. He didn't go to school. He wasn't like the teachers of the law. It wasn't like he was, he was learning uh, such a deep knowledge from theological schools of the time. But he just went out and started preaching the gospel of God in that, that his kingdom has come, and it's come through him. And he started to teach this to the people. And in a very short amount of time, it's like thousands started going towards him to the point where he crosses the hillside and he goes to uh, this mountain on uh, hillside on the side of the Sea of Galilee. They come in throngs. This is where you first hear about 5,000 men came, where Jesus fed the 5,000. This is where you hear 5,000 men came, but it doesn't, it doesn't count in there, the, the women and children that came with them. So think of an average family of maybe three and at least 15,000 people in the middle of a field. If we did this out here without all the beautiful microphones and speakers and that, I'm not even sure we'd be able to hear but this is, this is the son of God, so he made sure they heard. Amen? I always wondered about that. How did they hear him? I went to the, some uh, march, Promise Keepers march, out to Washington, D.C., and on that lawn there between the Empire State Building and whatever you call the other house. Um, there were supposed to be a million people there, and I'm watching. I couldn't see the speakers. All I could see were the big spectatrons, whatever you call them, and I was barely able to hear that because everybody was shouting, and I was like, what are, you, what are you hearing? I can't hear a thing. And I think about that all the time. How did they hear Jesus? But it's because he's the son of God. God said, you're going to hear me. So we've been going through this teaching, and what happened? Jesus sat on the hill, and he just started teaching. He just started talking, and people just came, and they watched, and they, they flocked around him, and they listened intently to every word that he had to say. And, um, and it was interesting because he, he took advantage of that. He didn't speak in parables. He didn't, he didn't lash out and shred anybody, which he could do as a son of God. But he started teaching them in love. And as Pastor Joey and I think Pastor Mark and, and Brother Mark Snyder and maybe Jonathan um, have been preaching um, through this, in Matthew 5, we've been learning about that. And if you go to the next slide, we were talking about 
um, when he went to the Beatitudes, blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek, um, the merciful. God, uh, Jesus said, blessed are these people because here's what's going to happen because of their, their faithfulness or their situation. Here's what's going to happen eventually for them. He taught about, yeah, you've heard it said that it's terrible to murder somebody. I mean, it's just really, really bad. But did you know it's also really, really bad to have anger against your brother or sister and to call them raka or fool? Or fool. You know, you're, you're, standing in, you're standing in judgment when you do those things. So he's saying, yeah, yeah, it's bad to murder. It's bad to do these things, but it's all bad. Be, be good. And he's, he's just talking very plainly to them. It's like, yeah, you think murder is the worst thing? You think adultery is the worst thing? You think divorce is the worst thing? Those things are not what I want or what God wants because of these reasons. And he, he taught through those very simply, and I think the people heard him well, and they were just probably enamored with him because he just spoke very openly about these issues that were either familial or social or whatever. He taught about, you heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You can take that judgment back out on your brother in equal proportion to what they did to you. But then he says, you know what's better? If someone hits you on the right cheek, turn your other cheek. Let him hit that one. What? In America? No way. We take mixed martial arts to prevent that. If someone steals your uh, coat, your undercoat, let them have your outer cloak too. Or if they steal your outer cloak, let them have your inner coat. Just give it to them. If that's, if that's what they want, just give it to them. It's not, it's not what this is about. It's about, it's about relationship with, with God and with me. And he talked about loving your enemies. All these, some of these things were crazy. No one talked about these until Jesus started to. Loving your enemies. Um, and Joey, Pastor Joey last week was talking about that could be your neighbors. It could be somebody that you hate that mows over their yard a little bit too much or their dog poops in your yard. Does that happen to anybody here? You don't have to raise your hand. You know, it could be, it could be something that light or it could be somebody who offended you years ago and you're still doing this. Like, I am not going to forgive them. I don't care what they do. Nothing they can do can make me. He's saying, love, love your enemies or those that you perceive to be uh, your enemies. And by the way, love everybody else. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. What, what I was discovering as I'm reading through this, I see a, most of these are um, Jesus teaching about human interaction. These people are there. He's teaching them about how we should love one another and how we should be amongst one another and how we shouldn't do these things. There's good things that we can do. And I saw that as a human interaction. But as I started reading through chapter 6, um, for me, it looked like the focus starts to shift toward how do we interact with God in a better way, in, in, a, in, a, in a goodly, godly way. And I'll, I'll get into that, and you're going to think that's not necessarily accurate as I read this uh, scope for today. So today's scope, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to pull that out and rifle through the papers and open up to chapter 6. Do we have three people that have a Bible? If you have a phone, you don't have to, it's up here. The reason I always do, one, I want to, I oftentimes will read it in the Word, then I'll look at the notes down at the bottom in my Bible, I'll go back to some of the references, and then I take a pen and I actually write notes in my Bible. Maybe it's a question to God. Say, like, God, teach me about this, I don't understand. Or somebody gave a word one time, and it struck me as very powerful, and I'll write that note in my Bible on that, on that chapter or verse. If you're like that, great. If you're not, great. But I, I encourage you, if you don't if you don't currently carry a Bible with you to at least church, you probably don't carry a Bible with you to Walmart or Kroger, but I would, I would encourage you to carry that Word of God close to you and close to your heart. Today in the age of cell phones, and almost everybody has a smartphone now, you can download a Bible app and always have the Word with you, and I see a lot of you pulling it up. I see lights on your faces. That's about all I can see um, that you're looking for the Scripture. But I'm going to read through this, and then I'm going to pick it apart. Giving to the needy. Jesus said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by them, <clears throat> by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, that sounds like that's not turning the scope towards God, but I want to I tell you why I believe that. Let's, let's pick this next um, slide. Giving to the needy. This is the part I want to head towards focus. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
And then in my NIV Bible that I had from, uh, downloaded from 2008, I like the wording a little bit better. It just kind of sets with me a little better. Um, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So the key word, the key phrase I want you to, to hone in on there is acts of righteousness. So he says, what, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. Okay, so if you think about the acts of righteousness, you'd have to read a little bit through chapter 6 to see some of the acts of righteousness that Jesus is talking about. It's okay to cheat ahead. The scope today is verses 1 through 4. If you want to go through the rest of Matthew 6, I encourage you to do that so you can see um, the perspective and where this is coming from. But the acts of righteousness um, that Jesus talks about in this next, in this next bit of chapter 6, he said, when you give to the needy, he he says, when you give to the needy. So we know that in our society, we have a lot of needy people. Some of us give here locally, and some of us give to uh, missions around the world. But we know that there are those that are less fortunate than we are. And there are so many in here that I could, I could call you out and embarrass you, but I won't, that I know you already do that in, in a lot of your current weekly, daily, monthly activities. But he says, um, acts of righteousness would be giving, we call that alms in church. It's another one of those old words like sanctification and, and those. But um, alms is basically when you're, when you're giving to somebody outside of your circle, I guess the best way that I can think about it. Even in our budget, we have a line item. We have one that's alms and one that's blessings. Alms is someone from the community says, hey, I can't pay my electric bill. Can you help us out? Um, or we send funeral flowers to somebody who's a friend of a friend and or we open the church up and we would spend out of those alms to bless those people who aren't from our body here but they're but they're children of god's and then in blessings that would be people who are in the congregation we're, we're blessing them with support with bills uh, with things like that where they need help then prayer and fasting he's talking about these acts of righteousness fasting it's probably it's not an extremely familiar thing for people in the u.s we don't we don't really fast that much for god and there's teaching about that, and hopefully we can do that another day. But that's when you stop eating, and it's one of those things that everybody has to do. You know, I think you, you can only go like a week without eating. You can only go like two to three days without water, something that we need. But when we take our attention off of that, all of a sudden, your attention should go somewhere else. And that's where the laser focus comes between you and God. But that's where he says, when you do these things. A couple of other acts of righteousness I think that he's talking about is storing. When you store up your treasures, store up the ones that are in heaven, not the ones that are on earth. Don't sit there and build your bank account so you have this giant bank account so you can eat off that bank account, but store up the things that are of me, the things that are for me. Um, not going to teach on every one of these. I'm just going to touch on this for a second. And then by not worrying, an act of righteousness is actually trusting in God, trusting God. He's got everything. He's got everything under his control. We just need to trust in him and not try and take, um, not try and take over. So my, my thought was, as I was reading through this, is consider the acts of righteousness are those actions of believers poised to honor God and not mankind. So you literally are being good and righteous and serving because God. Not, not just because it comes naturally to you or because your neighbor's in need, but because you know God loves you and he's taking care of you and you are acting outwardly, righteously, because of him. So think about it in that light. You want to advance that on there, Bill? And then the next part about this is, Jesus is really, he's fairly direct while he's talking to these people on the, on the side of the mount. You notice in scripture, he talks a lot in parables. But he wasn't speaking in parables here. He's being very, very clear. But to me, it's almost presumptive or assumptive, and I'll, I'll explain that in a second. The things that he was telling them about, he says, when you give, and then he said, when you pray, when you fast, when you do these things, he kept saying, when you do these, be careful with this. So is Jesus assuming too much from this group of strangers who plopped on the hillside to come listen to him? I mean, granted, he doesn't know them. He probably didn't know hardly any of them except the disciples. Is that big enough? Can you even see? Okay. Um, he doesn't even know them, but he's just saying, hey, when you give. So imagine walking up to the, in the streets and you're talking to a guy in Columbus who has a need, and I've, I've run into these folks, and if I were to say to him, hey, when you fast, I want you to fast about this next time. And they think they would giggle like Mark is like, let's fast. I can run fast. No, no, fasting is when you don't eat because you, got, you don't want to put your laser focus on God. 
no idea what you're talking about. So in my mind, I'm like, is Jesus just saying this stuff to these people, hoping that they would pick it up and say, oh, yeah, I probably should be fasting. I probably should be praying. I probably should be giving to the needy. He's saying it as if it's just something that we're supposed to do or something that they were supposed to do already, already expected. And I think, there's, I think there's a reason for that. So my question was, does, he, does Jesus assume too much from these uh, curious and loosely connected followers? They just started following him. And all of a sudden, he's telling them, oh, by the way, when you do these things, do it like this. Okay, what I want you to do is think about, think about back in those times. Who is Jesus talking to? Remember his audience. These are already large crowds from Galilee. They mentioned the Decapolis, which is a, a spattering of 12 different cities, probably really small ones, maybe Bethlehem's in there. Um, Jerusalem, Judea, and the Jordan region. I, I love to read about those names, and I don't know enough about the geography there, and, I, and I, I've been trying to learn more and more about that as I, as I get um, more interested in those things. I was trying to think here. Dave, you went, to, you went to Israel once, yeah? Anybody else been to Israel? Jewel? So you folks, when you see these cities, you're like, yeah, I stepped there. I saw that. I experienced that. And, and I'm living vicariously through these experiences in the Bible and from some people who've come back and talked about those things. And, but I'm thinking about all those, all those peoples that came together. I'm assuming the majority of them are Jewish. So they already have these teachings that have been coming down to them for centuries. They already had teachers of the law. They already had the Torah. They already had these words in front of them that they should be having these teachings. But the neat part about Jesus, and I think about this even in the church, the neat part about Jesus at that time, they're a captive audience. He didn't go out around the town and say, hey, come listen to me preach. Come listen to me preach and put out flyers and televised notes and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to bring them to church. Go out and evangelize. Get them in here. He just went to the hillside and people started coming. I, I very loosely thought about that in the, today's church. Like right now, all of you who came in here and sat down, you had to go through some effort to get up and shower your body and to get all pretty and to get your breakfast in and to get to church on time, if you made it on time, Toto. But I love that Toto came. Teasing. But you go through this effort and because you either are seeking something or you wanted the fellowship or, I don't know, I hope it's not because it's expected of you or that it's a check mark that you have in your spirit. I hope it's that you wanted to come in fellowship. I heard a couple of people praying this morning in our prayer group, and they suggested they love church. Thank you, God, for your church. Thank you, God, for your church body, a place where I can come and be fulfilled in the brotherhood while we worship you. And that's what I love about this church. Tamara and I tripped in here in 2011, and we never left because the spirit of that fellowship is here so strong, and we love it so much. It's like something we've not experienced in, in the rest of our lives. Um, but that's one reason why we come here. But these guys aren't like that. This is a loose bunch of people that come in front of Jesus and he's, he's teaching them, but they're from his background. Most of them are Jewish. Most of them have teaching. So he's just, he's just teaching, but they are a captive audience. You want to hear what I got to say? Great. You don't want to hear what I got to say? Great. You're welcome to leave. I see some of you leaving now. You know, he can, he can, he'd just go ahead and preach. And I love that about how organic that happened. So these folks that came, they all heard about his great teaching. They heard about probably his, his non-Jewish school uh, teaching, his, his uh, synagogue experience and all of those things. They just heard that he was somebody who's got wisdom beyond his own, his own um, lifestyle, his own family, his own um, experience. I think even curious atheists would come out to see what's up when this man starts speaking. I think that even in the church today, we have agnostics and atheists who just pop in because they want to check in again. Like, is this real? Is this not real? You know, I think that happens a lot. And I, I thank God for that. Say, God, bring the agnostics and the atheists into this church or any church that would speak your word so that they would hear a piece of your truth and go, he's got to be real. Those guys aren't all idiots. I mean, they, there's got to be something that makes them come and be, and be enamored with the word that comes out of his Bible. So I'm still thinking about those people. Go to the next page. And um, so prior to Jesus being on earth, the Jews already had a code of righteousness, I think. You see that peppered through Scripture, and they were expected to have this life of righteousness. So from Genesis on, you're going to see righteous actions are expected and required for those who would believe in God. So worshiping, giving offerings to the temple, charity to the less fortunate, all these things were already taught, and they were already part of the communities that people lived in as they gathered in small towns or small tribes or whatever. Um, 
or large tribes. A lot of these things were already expected of, of their behavior, of their, of their attitude towards God. And a lot of the teaching they've already had too, that our righteousness comes from God. It doesn't come from man. Jesus is talking about it. They don't know him well enough yet. They don't know, they don't all know that he's the son of God. But they were taught that this righteousness comes from God. It doesn't come from us, but it comes because of faith and obedience to God. Faith in him and obedience because of what he says is expects of us. So if you notice that through scripture, you look at Genesis 15, 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. So all of you here who have a belief in God the Father and Jesus his son, you have a righteousness on you that you may not even be aware of because you believe in him. You have this righteousness. If you even spend your life and try and live out the life that he expects for you, you have this righteousness on you. It's not because you're a goody two-shoe. It's not because you're a great person in your family that happens to be the one who's been in jail the least number of days. You know, it's because you believe in a God who created you and loves you and his righteousness rests on you. Amen? Does that make sense? So this righteousness, because he believed, uh, he credited him as righteousness. Samuel said, some, Samuel said something, it looks like it's almost self-serving, but he said, the Lord has re rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. Think about what Samuel's talking about. Samuel, Samuel was a very, um, a very obedient and powerful person, but he kept turning his life over to God all the time. And his righteousness, he's aware that, that that comes from God. He said, my cleanness in your sight, the cleanness that's on me because of you, not because of me, in your sight, I have this righteousness. So he's just, he's, he's throwing that back out, saying my righteousness is on me and it comes from God, if you, if you read between the lines. In Psalms, uh, David talks about, Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. So David's even trying to, he's trying to keep this connection of righteousness with God. So as you think about the life of righteousness, acts of righteousness, it's all these things that were already through the Old Testament known and practiced and believed by um, the Jewish folks and those who were uh, around them. And then in 33, Psalm 33, 5, the Lord loves righteousness and justice and the earth is full of his unfailing love. I believe this is two-part. I, I believe that the Lord's righteousness, he loves that he made everything good and he wants everything to be good. We're the ones who kind of screwed up, kind of. We're the ones who screwed up that, that plan. But he loves righteousness and justice. And when I think about that, he's already righteous and he's already just, but he loves that about us too. He wants that in us the way that I understand scripture. He wants me to be righteous. He wants me to be full of justice and mercy and love and peace and joy. But he loves those things. He loves goodness and charity and mercy. I'm going to roll this up really soon here to get towards today's topic, today's uh, scope. But first I want to do the last part here. So righteousness in love. So if you, if you look at this, again, the crowd he's speaking to, I'm telling you, is uh, people who already have some bit of information in them. So Jesus is refreshing, reminding, making new, making, making their understanding better, broader, deeper with God. And he does this later in, in, in Matthew, but when Jesus teaches about the greatest commandment, and Pastor Joey talked about this last week, he was tested by the, by the teachers of the law. And they asked him, you know, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus quoted the Old Testament and he quoted scripture that, were already, that was already set. And what he quoted was, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your mind. And sometimes you'll see him with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus spoke this right out of Deuteronomy, which came from Moses' teaching, which came from God. So already that's the greatest act of righteousness that I can imagine that we can do is loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. That's the greatest thing that you can do. Amen? We can say a prayer now and just go home, and you remember that verse, and we can be done. But I have 45 more minutes to go, so <laughs> just teasing. And then he spoke the next part, and he said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So this came from Leviticus. This came from, this came from again, during the time of Mosaic law and from the Torah. It was from God. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We had, a, we had a couple of teachings on this in Sunday school last year, and we broke that down over like three or four weeks, and I loved that time we spent together because I learned a lot more about what that, what that means for God. 
What is it, why is it so important that I love my neighbor? Why can't I just have a relationship with you? What if I don't even like people? Is there anybody in here like that? I keep asking Tamara to buy me this shirt. It's in a coffee shop in uh, Bell Fountain. It says, I really love coffee and I like maybe three people. <laughs> and it's not true. I just think it's such a sarcastic, snarky thing that probably fits me. My apologies for that. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So my, my thought through that part, he's teaching these guys. He's teaching them from stuff they should already know. But what I, what I believe is I think, and I try and summarize that, is our acts of righteousness would be fulfilled by following God's teachings that would show great love and honor to God and to our neighbors. Obedient actions that serve him and mankind. If you've learned nothing here in the last several years, and I'm going to even pick on Pastor Joey, in the last four years, in here and in our elder meetings and in our out, times out with coffee, there's two things that is on Joey's heart that I love and what, which helps me um, support the guy so much. He says, God wants me to love God and love people. I mean, if you want to oversimplify that, that's what God wants. He wants you to love him and he wants you to love people. That sounds really oversimplified, but God, you don't know that. Per- yeah, he does. He created them. You don't know that situation. You don't know how hurt I was. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. But he wants you to love him with everything you got and love them with everything you got. That, that is the thing that we can rest within us. And you think about, I don't care if you think about it of an act of righteousness, you think about it just a simple obedience to God, you think about it as deep theological perspective, it doesn't matter. Love God, love people, amen, let's go home. Amen? But we're not going home, not yet. Almost. All right, I want to I wanna rotate this to today's takeaway, what I, think, what I think we can pull a couple nuggets out of here that worked for me as I, as I um, studied through this. Giving to the needy. We'll just, we'll just peek at this for a second. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's not so deep and hard to understand. Let's say that, how many parents do we have in here? Okay, so those of you who have children who are terrible to their sibling, raise your hands. Okay, so sometimes you really are on them. To, can't you just be nice to your sister, please? Fine. Give her some of your milk. That's all she wants. Fine. Anybody ever have that attitude? Come on. Anybody? Any parents? Any kids ever act like that? Sure. So if you think about that, that is... You're getting scolded. You're getting set up by this parent that wants you to be a better sibling. But doesn't it warm your heart when you see your daughter take her milk and go over to her other sister and give it to her? Here, sis, you want a chocolate milk? There's none left here. Doesn't that warm your heart, anybody? Well, sure it does. You didn't have to tell them. Or when your kid cleans their room, they come down and say, Mommy, I cleaned your room. And parents, you can do a great thing here or you can be a normal parent. And you go, fine, it should be clean anyways. What side does that fall on? <laughs> I always tell you to clean your room. <laughs> Big deal. Or you can learn to bless your children. It's like, thank you, sweetheart. I love that you clean your room without even me asking you to do that. So you think about that. The father, he doesn't want us to go around and run down here to the food kitchen and serve once a month so that the community leaders can see you. Look what I did. I went to our daily bread four times this month, every Sunday. Faithful, faithful. No, you weren't. Your heart, your heart wasn't in it. You went to serve, and there's some goodness in that. But he's saying, don't do that to be seen by others. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. I was going to pull up uh, a screen print, and I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't. But it was about a lot of these organizations that go out and raise a lot of money. And United Way is one that I gave through for years through, through um, Honda and through our, our salary. There. They just take it out of our check. But I saw all the places the money went to. We had the ability to go in and pick the charities that we wanted to have it um, delegated to. And I loved that. Every year I'd pick different ones. And I'd read all the brochures and say, oh, I'd love to support that one. And my money would go directly to those organizations. But the part that sometimes bothers me is when they get all those monies and then they go to give it to an organization and they print out this check that goes from here 
to hear, and they have four people hold up. It's like, look, we gave $10,000 to the Salvation Army. Are you doing that for others to see it? Yes? I think so. So I had mixed feelings about it. I think sometimes that, that's just wrong. That's, that's, I think, the epitome of don't do this to be seen by others. I think there's good things about that, too. It's like, see, the United Way is doing good things. Please donate to United Way. So I have mixed feelings. But when I think about that, I think about that, Stu. Don't get your own billboard and say, look, I served at the food kitchen 12 times this year. 12 times. Look, 12 times. And it's part of my resume. I think that's what God doesn't like. Don't be proud of that. Do it because he already expects it. I know he'll bless you through that. I know he'll reward you through that. But do it because he wants you to do that, not because you want him to see you do that. Amen? Does that make sense? Um, I'm going to start concluding here. So when you do your acts of righteousness, I'm going to treat each one of us as if we're like those Jews. We have already, most of us in here, and some of us probably, it's new to you, We've already been raised in the instruction of the Lord, or we're learning the instruction of the Lord, and we understand what a good life of living is like, a righteous living life is like. We have some understanding of that. I think even people who are atheists and agnostics have some understanding. I think God put it inside each one of us. If not, it'd be pure anarchy. People would be going down in Mechanicsburg and say, I don't like you, and they kill them. I know that happens, very, very, very small percentage of craziness, but it would be full anarchy if God didn't put in everybody that sense of righteousness that he wants us to live, I think. But don't, when you do your acts of righteousness, so I'm assuming everybody here has acts of righteousness, and I'm going to spell that out here with the things we talk about as I finish this up. Be led by your motives to honor God and Jesus, not yourself. I'm preaching to me. I'm not preaching out there. You guys want to pick this up and take it home, great. But let your motives be led by honoring God and Jesus, not by honoring yourself. When acting in righteousness, have an audience of one, God and Jesus. Some of you think my math is bad. Have an audience of one. Let that be God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, three in one. Still stuck on the math. <laughs> Do you guys ever hear that, that uh, philosophy? There are three kinds of people in this world. Those who are really good at math and those who are not. Okay, I'm one of those who are not. Okay, number three. Are these up there? Nope. Can you go to my conclusion page? The first part we talk about, be led by, be led by your motives to honor God and Jesus. The second one, when acting in righteousness, have, a, have an audience of one. The third one is, encourage, be, it's encouraged to act in secret. Because then God and Jesus will know that your intention is to honor them. We talked about that a little bit with cleaning, the kids cleaning their room and a sister being kind to another sister or a brother being kind to the sister. And goodness gracious, if any of you guys are like big brothers, I'm old school. If you're a big brother, even if you're a little brother, but if you're a big brother, you should be the protector of your siblings and you should be the one that's like their hero in life. You know what I mean? You shouldn't be the one that tears them down. You shouldn't be the one that offers them up. It's like, oh, she's an idiot. Say that in front of your friends. You should honor your, your, your siblings and just be a good sibling. Amen? But act in secret. Jesus talked about this. He said, when you give to the needy, when you pray to the Father, when you fast, when you, when you, when you, what did he say? He said, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When it's done in secret, when it wasn't done with any kind of intent to be seen, it was done because you want to be a, you want to be a righteous, godly person, and you're doing these things because God loved you, and God's treated you well, and God's righteousness is embedded in you. He wants that to be the reasons and the motives of our hearts, not because someone told you to do so. If I tell you to clean your room, that's an expectation that you should just clean your room. But if your heart's not in it and you're acting like a, a little child, that's, that's an attitude issue. That's a motive issue. But we'll be rewarded in his righteousness as we learn to act as Jesus acts. So as Jesus is starting to teach these folks, and as we're just slowly going through this to understand this freshness of teaching that he's giving to these people and how to actually live a life in godliness, um, it's simple in nature. It's a little deeper 
if you struggle with those things. But I look around the room and I'm like, you guys all get this. We could have avoided coming to church today. I could have just sent you the notes and said, hey, study these things. Look at the scripture. Think about it. Send me some comments back. So this should be not so new and not so fresh, but it should be a refreshment. Amen? There's, there's nothing here that's, that's new under the sun. God, God wants us to live a righteous life. He already loves us. That moment we have with Abba Father, we already know that he's our father. We already know that he's our creator. We already know that Jesus is our savior if you have been, if you have given your life over to him. The rest of just living out this life is how do we, how do, we do that well, Lord? How do, we, how do we live a life of righteousness? And the way that we do that is we keep studying his word. We look for those nuggets of truth. We look for the, the, very, the very simple things that they're not, they're not so philosophical. They're not so theological. You don't have to go to seminary to get the depth of what Jesus is talking about to insert that into your own spirit. Amen? You just have to ask God to continue to lead you. I have to ask God to continue to lead me. Help me get rid of all that junk in my life that's not about you, Lord, and lead me in your way of righteousness. Amen? What I'd, what I'd hope to do, um, I think I will do this. What are we doing for time? Let me look. Rob, would you come up and grab your guitar? As I mentioned earlier, I just felt that there was, that there was some unfinished stuff that the Holy Spirit was doing. Maybe that's just me. Um, but what I'd, like, I'd, what I'd like you to do, and you can bring your members up if you want, but I want you to go back through Great Are You, Lord. And if anybody has business that you want to do at the altar, or if you want to do it at the altar of your seat, if you want to do it in your own mind quietly as you sit there, I'm going to encourage you to spend that time Come up, do that, do it from your seat as the song plays, and then uh, we'll say a prayer and you can go home and eat potato salad. What is it you're supposed to eat on New Year's Day? Sauerkraut and pork chops? Pork chops and sauerkraut. Anybody do that yesterday? Come on. How many traditionalists in here? Oh, a bunch. How about when you eat a piece of apple pie, you have to eat it with cheddar cheese? Anybody here grow up in that environment? Anybody? Raise your hands. Nolan, ice cream, not cheese. Okay, so if you're from, if you're from the western side of Indiana, it's ice cream. <laughs> From outer space, it's cheese. Oh yeah, what a blessing to see that guy here this morning. Scott, I was tearing up too while I was thinking about you and. I was praying for you and Michelle this week, and I don't know if you, you guys don't all know Scott and Michelle, but his wife, Michelle, um, took a really bad fall while they're working on their building down here and broke everything. And she's, she went through, how long was she in therapy, Scott? In, uh, in the trauma center for 28 days and then another 21 in, uh, in uh, rehab. And... Probably another five weeks before, uh, about another two weeks now before she'll be able to put any weight on her on her lower extremities. But praise God, she's praise God, she's far ahead of where the doctors expected her to be for as broken as she was. And, and that has been one of our prayers that God heal her quickly and fully, please, and restore her. And you can see the tiredness on Scott. I'm not going to call him out or make him feel embarrassed in that. But you see it in him, and I've seen it in him when we've spoken. And uh, continue to pray for him. Continue to pray for Michelle, the healing. Continue to uh, make some visits to stop in. And the meals that are provided, I think we're clear out to the middle of January. Let's keep serving them as a body of Christ and a family, a family of God does. Amen. But you know, uh, may, since, may you both heal Since well. you brought that up, and when Michelle yep. is back, her and I will will share a testimony of how God has worked through all this. You all have been such a blessing. So are you. Such a blessing. We love you guys, Scott. So I encourage you, if you have business to take care of with God, get a refreshment. Start, start out fresh. Doesn't matter if it's 2022. Start out fresh every, every day, every week, and then we'll close in prayer.
to do, we're going to sing a different song this morning. That's all right. Go ahead and stand with us, church. Let's sing, Be Thou My Vision. Lord, our lives are yours. something that was so profound and um, really just really went with what Stu was bringing from the word this morning. He just said to me that he was content knowing that God sees him. 
and that's all we really need to be content with is that the Lord of all creation sees us. He saw us in our helpless state and he sees us now. And so everything that we do is for his glory. Yes. Because we have no other audience. I want to sing this verse one more time. Sing riches I heed not. Because why would we need them? They're all for you, God. Riches I heed not. where you stand. Father God, we just, we turn our lives over to you, Lord. We turn our everything over to you, Lord. Scrape away everything of us, Lord, that's not of you, our iniquities, our sins, the shame that we carry, Lord. Strip those things away and refresh us with your Holy Spirit. Let us sense and feel your good love, your mercy, your peace, Lord. That transcends all understanding. We can't begin to understand how good you are. We can't begin to understand why you even love us, Lord, but you do, and we claim that victory. Amen. Guide us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, go in peace.